something to say. Hello everybody, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my book Crucify My Love, which is out right now on Kindle ebook and paperback. And there's an audiobook form that you can get if you just search in your favorite podcasting app for Mask of the Gods. So today we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, episode 2 of season 8. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. And before we go into spoilers, I just have to say, I'm so happy for this episode. This may be one of my favorite episodes of the entire run of Game of Thrones. And I'm, I am say that because, well, yes, I love the battle episodes. They're wonderful. The Battle of Blackwater, the Battle of the Bastards so on and so forth, and on to the rest. The ones where I feel like the series is at its best are actually the dramatic character episodes. And this episode had all of the drama and all of the tension and story that I wanted in episode one of the season that I didn't get. But they found it here, and they put it in here, and while yes, I'm sure the next episode is going to be fantastic and awesome, we'll talk about that in spoilers, I, 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 there's something about these characters revealing who they really are and being themselves in this stripped-down, lack-of-pomp-and-circumstance kind of way that we don't get to see enough of in this series. And I just, I loved this episode. So having said that, let's uh, go into what happened in this particular episode. So if you have not seen episode two of season eight of Game of Thrones, and you do not wish to be spoiled for anything, you might want to go watch the episode and come back. Because we're going into spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. Hi. Okay. I think the first thing that we need to talk about is, why is this the first time we ever heard Podrick Payne sing? <laughs> I mean, seriously, why? I mean, it was wonderful that after all of these seasons and getting to know him as a character, that he was able to bring out this moment of beautiful surprise and sing this, I mean, just hauntingly beautiful song for the montage towards the end of the episode. And it's wonderful that a show like this, after eight seasons, can still find a way to be surprising without being stupid or gratuitous or having a character act completely outside of the ways that we expect them to be. Like, having seen this episode and the way... Brienne looks at him when he starts singing, and the way Tyrion looks at him, it, it made me kind of think that 
off camera on numerous occasions while they were on their variant adventures throughout the series. He entertained them with songs and they knew that he could do this. And we are just now discovering that Padraig Payne has a beautiful singing voice, which again adds to the beautiful color of his character in showing how distinct and different he is from the other members of his family. Because I can't imagine anybody else in his family even knowing what a song is, really, to be honest. It, it was a beautiful moment. It was a haunting moment. And a great way to cap off the episode. And I felt that that was the thing I had to start with. Because I, I just... I didn't expect the series to be able to surprise me in such a delightful way. Because Game of Thrones has built itself so much off of being the exact opposite of wonder, delight, and amazement. And over the years, I think that has hurt some seasons of the show where they decided to probably follow the books and be more unnecessarily cruel, vicious, and hateful than sometimes the story or the characters demanded. And this just felt so right. So right. So let's go back to the beginning of the episode and just talk about some of the things that happened throughout. Jamie Lannister standing before Daenerys and Sansa. This was a beautifully tense moment because I doubted that this was going to be how they killed Jamie off. Though, again, giving, given the uh, capricious nature of Game of Thrones and, well its desire to randomly kill off characters in ways that you don't expect them to die at moments when you don't expect them to die. Yeah, I, I, I was tense during this whole thing because I could see Sansa killing him. I could see Arya killing him. Just popping out of nowhere and slicing his throat. I could see Daenerys ordering his death or torture or punishment. But they did a really wonderful job in painting how the relationships between the various characters have developed and grown, as well as the characters themselves, over the course of the series. And... I feel like they're only free to do that because they've gotten past Gurr's books. Because I don't feel like he's as interested in seeing these characters develop and grow as he is in showing how cruel and capricious and spiteful the world can be. And seeing Brienne stand up to defend Jamie. And Sansa immediately just agreeing. Because Brienne is the one character, if there's any character in Game of Thrones, that I feel like you could 
honestly and truly 100% of the time, take at their word, it's Brienne. It's definitely Brienne. Because she's a character that we need to coin a new word for, and I don't know what that word would be. Because she's not actually an optimist, in that she sees everything with a cup half full. Because, well, she, she, like everybody else in the series, is fairly pessimistic about, well, most things. But, unlike everybody else who grew up with the stories of chivalry and knights doing great things and heroes and what have you, Brienne hasn't allowed herself to become jaded by her experience of the world. She still sees the chivalric ideal as, while maybe not being 100% attainable, something that should be striven for and worked towards and held up before you as something that you should endeavor to embody even when you feel like you have failed it. And a lot of that comes from her having failed Renly Baratheon and then, from her own perspective, failed Catelyn Stark. And those failures, or perceived failures on her part, because really... There's no way she could have saved Renly or Catelyn. But those failures, from her perspective, informed everything that she has done. And that gives us something we rarely get in a Game of Thrones episode, which is really good bookended scenes where we see her honesty and virtue being demonstrated with her convincing Daenerys and Sansa to accept Jamie and to allow him to help them in the war against the dead with later in the episode where Sir Jamie knights her and we get kind of the fulfillment the culmination of her life's wish to become Sir Brienne of Tarth, a knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Which, of course, signals to us that she is one of the characters that's going to die in the next episode. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's Game of Thrones. Something good happened to her, something she has always wanted to have happen. She is going to be gravely injured in the battle. She will die professing her love to Jamie. And this is going to be the moment that breaks Jamie and causes Jamie to kill Cersei eventually. Because he has seen what true love is and he realizes he had that with Brienne this whole time. And that in so many ways, their love for one another embodies the ultimate chivalric love in that true courtly love must be unrequited. That, that, that's actually a component, 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 component of the medieval idea of courtly love. And so in this unrequited love, Jamie is going to learn what true love really is 
And this is going to be one of those moments that truly turns him against Cersei and will lead to him eventually killing her. Personal opinion. But that's that's what I feel like is going to happen. We'll see next week. Because it could be the other way around. It could be Jamie dies and that sends Bran into a crazy fit. Or they both die. Or everybody dies. Who knows? It's Game of Thrones. But I, I just... Something... Because it's Game of Thrones, something terrible is going to happen to Bran in the next episode. Because this is a setting and a series where nothing good can ever happen to anyone without terrible, spiteful, vengeful, hateful ramifications at some point in the not-too-distant future. And that's one of the things that I often don't like about the show, because it does create this kind of causal link between happiness and suffering, but it has it all kinds of backwards and inside out. So I'm kind of hoping that Dan and Dave are breaking away from that and we're actually going to get a different story than the expected one. Which, let's be honest, in the last two episodes is what we've gotten. It's not exactly the story that we expected to have at this point in the tale. And hopefully that will continue as we go forward. But, <sighs> being that it is Game of Thrones, you, you just you prepare yourself. Something beautiful happened, something wonderful happened. Patrick Payne can sing like an angel, so his throat is going to get ripped out by a white in the battle to come. And probably to save Brienne, because let's be honest. And then, of course, his act of personal sacrifice will come to naught and will mean nothing because this is Game of Thrones and Bran will end up being injured and dying. Because <laughs> that's how the series has tended to work. I, I do hope that they get beyond that. Just because it has become so formulaic and expected at this point. That it would almost be an internal trope for it to follow along and do it that way. But eh, I don't know that I expect it to do anything else. I mean, we'll have to see, but I, I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. I'm not saying that I necessarily feel like the series is going to have a happy ending. I think the best that we can hope for in the end is a bittersweet ending. And our choices right now are between the bittersweet ending and the really dark, depressing ending. I think at some point Daenerys will be killed and that's how Jon Snow will inherit the throne, but we'll see. So, I think the biggest question for me in Season 8 is, WTF is wrong with Daenerys? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what's wrong with Daenerys? Maybe we've gotten to the point where she's here, she's finally in Westeros, and all of the things that she and her brother Viserys talked about is coming up and that's what's going on with her but I last season Daenerys was all about breaking the wheel 
right? I'm not going to go there and let all this continue over and over and over again. I want to break the wheel. And so far in season eight, we have, no, you don't understand. I am the dragon queen. You will bow to me. Everyone will bow to me because I am the dragon queen and I love your brother. He's a wonderful brother and we've both had horrible things happen to our families. But we both love John, don't we? We do. We both love John. But I am the dragon queen. I am the dragon queen. Dragon queen. And I just feel like so much of her dimensionality has evaporated this season. Because... What made Daenerys interesting is in the Bay of Dragons, formerly the Slaver's Bay, she basically instituted democracy over there. And last season, we get all of these statements about how she is going to break the wheel. That she has this like master plan whereby she is going to end and prevent the cycle of war and pain that Westeros has been just crushed under from continuing. And yet we have her march into Winterfell and be like, I am the Dragon Queen and Sansa must bow to me. And in this episode, we have her and Sansa kind of having a moment. And then Sansa's like, we promised we would never be controlled again. We fought to regain the North after it was stolen from us. So, after this, what happens to the North? And Daenerys quickly pulls her hand back because I am the Dragon Queen. You don't threaten me. I am the Queen of Dragons, the Mother of Dragons, the Unburnt. Yeah, but you're also the Breaker of Chains and the... the breaker of the wheel, the self-proclaimed breaker of the wheel. So the fact that you are now freaking out about Sansa wanting to have some kind of independent rule in the North, and you're freaking out about Jon being the last male heir, Targaryen heir to the throne, even though Jon is a character that has never shown any ambition to power at all, his entire life at all and do you think that's suddenly going to change and who knows maybe it will I hope not because that would just be depressing because that's not been his character this entire time and Daenerys has all been all about breaking the chains and freeing the slaves and bringing equality to people And now it's all about, she has to bend the knee, she has to bend the knee, they have to bend the knee, I am the queen, I am the dragon queen, bend the knee, bend the knee, bend the knee. And I just feel like, where is Daenerys, Breaker of Chains? I mean, if I have to fault this episode for anything, it's that. Where is this radical Daenerys... Who wants to be the breaker of chains because she has a natural comeback to what happens to the north after all of this i am the khaleesi of the great grass sea i am the breaker of cha- chains the unburnt the mother of dragons i brought self-rule to slaver's bay 
and freed the slaves and instituted basically a form of democracy where the people get to choose their own leaders. She has a natural comeback. And the only reason that I can see for her not bringing that in at this point and saying any of that to Sansa, because I think a lot of that would allay Sansa's concerns, is that that's probably going to be the back half of the season, right? So all of this, the first three episodes are the lead up to the Battle of Winterfell, during which they're going to Death Star the Army of the Dead, probably, personal personal opinion. One of two things is going to happen in next week's episode. I might as well get to this now because it's germane to what I'm talking about. Next week, they're either going to Death Star the Night King and the entire army of the dead falls down dead. Just thump. And yay, we won. We defeated the army of the dead. Ah! Or everyone's going to die. Except for maybe Daenerys or maybe Jon who get on the dragons and fly away. But, I I don't know which is, or they're going to defeat, you can hear me just struggling with this, because I don't know that either one is going to feel like a resolution to that plot, but I, I feel like we've set ourselves up so that one of those two things has to happen. Given the whole plan to get the Night King to somehow go after Bran and all this, I feel like they're going to end up Death Starring the Night King. And it's going to take two phases. They're going to try to kill him with dragon fire, and that's not going to work, and that's going to be the all is lost moment. And then somebody is going to stab him with either a um, Valyrian steel sword or a dragonglass weapon, and eventually kill him. And that's that's how it's going to end. And he dies, and all the droid troops fall down dead because the droid control ship has been blown up in orbit. And there's much dancing. The Gungans bring out their trumpets. There's a huge parade, and we hold up a shining ball over the city and celebrate our victory that will then lead into the... Re- wait... Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Just because we have three episodes left, and I don't see them pulling three episodes out of Cersei in King's Landing, and Euron and Yara, and the Night King coming and destroying everybody. I don't... uh, Without really stretching the plot out, I don't see them getting three episodes out of that, so I expect the Night King to be Death Starred next episode. In the Battle of Winterfell. Unless they're going to do the other thing, which is we're going to end next week's episode at the all is lost moment. And then, like, the Night King kills Bran. And then we don't know what's going to happen. Is everybody going to die to be continued? And then in episode four, we Death Star the Night King and people move south. That could happen. And there's a chance that that will happen just because they've built this battle up so much that 
the idea that it would be over in one episode, like all of the other battles that we've had in the series, maybe they'll make it a two-parter, I don't know, but I don't feel like there's enough story left down with Cersei and King's Landing for even two episodes, say they do this battle as a two-parter, I don't think there's enough story left with Yara and Euron and Cersei to do even two episodes out of that. So that tells me that they are definitely going to Death Star the Night King and that they're going to win. And that's what's going to happen. And probably what's going to end up happening is we're going to see some visual story that shows us who the prince who was promised actually is the prince or princess who was promised next week. We should have an answer to whether there is an Azora high. And if so, if it's Danny or John or Beric or whoever, and I think the funny answer personally that I would really enjoy is if it's Gendry because nobody's been paying attention to Gendry and yeah, it won't be, but you know, with all the Targaryens and stuff doing their shady stuff all throughout King's Landing, there, there's a good chance that Gendry's mom had Targaryen blood in her. I mean, he's da his dad did because the Baratheons and the Targaryens and her, married a lot but anywho that that's kind of what i feel like is going to happen and then we're going to have to have an episode where we deal with the questions in the north that sansa has brought up we're going to have to deal with the veil and them not wanting to follow a targaryen and how all that's gonna end up playing out we're then going to march south and we're going to have some kind of a conflict between Danny, John, and Sansa. And then we're going to have the final conflict between Cersei and all them. And then at the end of the day, that is how everything's going to eventually play out. And that's the remaining episodes of the season. Again, there's part of me that really hopes that they will find a way to be surprising and that it'll play out differently, but eh, we'll see. All in all, I love this episode. I really did. I, I just want my revolutionary Danny back, and I hope that they give me that. Alrighty. If you like this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this podcast or this episode, please do so. Helps out a lot. Tells the algorithm to share me with more people. If you got a dollar, you can throw my way down the show notes. You'll see a link that says community support. If you click that, then you can join the project at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That helps me do everything that I do. And thank you for that. If you don't have the money or don't feel like giving right now, please share the podcast. That does help out a lot. If you like listening to sound of my voice and would like to hear me read my most recent book, Crucify My Love, then Go to maskofthegods.com. You'll find a list of all the places you can listen to it for free. And please do that. I would love that. If you have a question, comment, or topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, you can hit me up at Twitter. I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. And 
Yeah, that's the easiest place to find me because I am there way too much. Or you can go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app or find it in the app store of the device that you're listening to me on. Follow Project Shadow and you can send me a voicemail. Keep it clean so I can use it on the show and I would love to do that and make this a bit more our podcast. Especially with all this Game of Thrones stuff going on, I would love to know what you have to say about it. Yeah, I just, again, want to say thank you to everybody who has been listening to and supporting the show. You guys and gals and everything in between are amazing. And on that note, some friends of mine and I have been trying to figure out what the gender neutral guy gal word is. Some people say that it's guys because guys has kind of become generic. Other people disagree. I would love to know what your opinions are. What is the gender neutral, the the non-binary guy gal thing? Because, yeah, I I would love to know because I, I I like being inclusive in my language, and that that seems to be a gap in English. So if there isn't one, make one up, send it to me. I would love to hear it. Definitely go check out Mask of the Gods. I am so proud of this series. I'm so proud of this book. And I want to share it with as many people as possible. Alrighty. Thank you all for listening to my ramblings about Game of Thrones. And please join me on Twitter with my hashtag RevolutionaryDannyComeBack. Until next time, have the fun. Bye.